And now, and now, and now, and now for the big, 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 big S. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode five of the Schwabcast. I'm Michael Schwab with my brothers Dave and Matt Schwab, and we are here to talk about all things that we love about Houston. At this point in the episode, this is where we talk about, you're only from Houston if you know this, so Dave, I'm going to send it over to you to talk about something very special in the food scene. Kick it off. Thanks, Mike. Uh, yeah, we love the food scene in Houston. A uh, lot of great different cuisines, but specifically what we're going to talk about is the Cajun cuisine. And, um, you know, everybody who's in Houston knows Zydeco music. They know about, you know, crawfish broils. They know about uh, the, the Cajun scene. And so it's it's definitely pretty heavy in the Bayou City. But specifically, we're going to talk about the Raging Cajun. The Raging Cajun, especially the one on Richmond that has what? What's on top of it? What you it's got? It's a mud bug. It's a, a, it's mud a big bug. old metal mud bug. Mm-hmm. Big old crawfish. Mm-hmm. You suck the head off that thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd take a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd take a day. Be a lot take of sucking. That's right. <laughs> and we used yeah. to, my favorite memory of that place is we used to go there with our family and our, our uh, little cousin. Yeah, you got to watch out because it's spicy and, uh, he he went to the bathroom and came running running out of the bathroom with his pants down, going, "My peepee's on fire! My peepee's <laughs> on fire!" <laughs> I remember. I'll that. never forget that. Oh, I'll never forget that. That was a lesson learned for me and for everyone there. I, I never, never forgot. I, it. I, I li- every time I use the restroom, I think about that for every, some reason. Every time, just every time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's it's a serious uh, you know epidemic. Like if if you, you you need to wash your hands thoroughly, use the paper towels when you are you know sucking heads and eating mud mud bugs. Um, <laughs> you know it's just a thing. Um, I mean it's it's spicy, but this is the what what I have, which is pretty fun, is just a little bit about the uh, history of uh, Cajuns down here in Texas. You hear a lot of uh, words out there like Creole versus Cajun. A lot of people don't know the difference between those two. Creole is more like kind of upscale city food. Um, mm-hmm. And Cajun is more like country food, like country style food. So Cajun, you got the, yeah, like crawfish boils, you know, fish fries, things like that. Creole would be more like a... A Brennan's. Yeah, exactly. Brennan's. And Brennan's, Brennan's. has, you know, a history in itself, you know, coming from... The, the original one, I think, was in New Orleans. But around, like, the 40s and around, like, World War II, there was a lot of uh, Cajuns moving here, you know, Louis- from Louisiana to work on military ships, work in the uh, petroleum industry and things like that. And, of course, they bring their influence with it. But there's a place called the Golden Triangle, which is known for, like, where a lot of Cajuns settled in southeast, which is, like, in Beaumont, Port Arthur, PAT, and Orange. And so, you know, obviously Houston being the biggest city around then, um, we we got a lot of that influence as well. And then also, you know, people coming over from from hurricanes and, you know, kind of fleeing everything like that as well. I mean, it's so true, though. I mean, this the Cajun influence on the food culture is so big. I mean, they call it the Bayou City. And it's not just because of the Buffalo Bayou, but it's also because of everything that has to do with that food culture. And so everyone from here has probably had a crawfish boil, probably mm-hmm. sucked some heads, 
mm-hmm. crawfish heads. And I think that's such a big part of our culture. And I know that when people come here, they kind of get indoctrinated into that. That's right. Totally. If you graduated from high school in Houston and didn't have a crawfish boil as your graduation party, you're not from Houston. You're not from Houston. Not from Houston. <laughs> you're no. not from Houston. You're that's not from perfect. Houston. <laughs> I, had a, I had a crawfish bowl for my graduation party. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. Every Easter we have a crawfish bowl right. with our uncle. Mm-hmm. It's, exactly. it's not Easter without it. The Lord is yeah. risen and the crawfish is spicy. That's how isn't, it's right. Isn't there a story about uh, Amy's, our sister, older sister Amy? A lot of people don't realize we have an older sister. Her uh, graduation <laughs> party and a crawfish boil? Yeah. So, uh, you know, my brother Dave here is a great artist. And so my mom wanted to put a sign in front of our grandparents, River Oaks house that Amy had the uh, crawfish boil party at. And so Dave painted this, you know, badass looking crawfish on it. And then my mom just, I wouldn't call her clueless, but just didn't really think about it on the sign to, you know, designate, Hey, this is where the party is wrote. Come suck our heads. Um, right there in the middle of the front yard. Uh, it was, and it was up there for, I mean, I saw it and obviously didn't tell my mom because I just wanted it to stay up. And it wasn't until a couple of people said, Hey, Pam, you know, uh, this side. And she came running out and we all had a good laugh. Oh my gosh. You know, and then, you know, how, you know, mom was like, well, well. Well, <laughs> I mean, it is a, it is a crawfish. I mean, it is a crawfish. I mean, technically that's what you're doing. You know? <laughs> uh, oh, which so I don't know if, I mean, if you're not from Houston, you don't know what we're talking about. You're just thinking we're a bunch of pervs, but the best part of a, pro- of a crawfish is you obviously break the tail in half. You break the body in half. You break the tail, uh, you know, the s- scales or whatever off the tail, eat the tail. But then if you're a true Cajun, you know, or from the Bayou City, you just squeeze that head and just suck all the brains and nasty just seasoning and oh, it's unbelievable. And it's just, yeah. I mean, if you're not from Houston, you it, it's a disgusting thing. But if you are from here, it's it's what uh, it's it's what it's a delicacy. COVID. <laughs> it is. It's not. It's not for the faint of heart. And you know, it's I've. Not. I've gone to crawfish broils in different cities uh, around Texas, other and you know other they cities know. around. Yeah. I don't. To be honest, I don't see people sucking the head. I'll be no, like, I, exactly. I think it's just you know, and there, and a lot of times it's you know you 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 can also know people who are really good at at um at at crawfish broils and that yeah. they can they can pop that that tail Super. like with just yeah. one motion, oh, yeah. just crack and pop, pop yep. the tail, and then you bend it in half. And then yeah. split it open, and then you got it. That's right. That's how you do it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Squeeze it. You just squeeze it like a little tube, tube of toothpaste. You know, I wonder. You know who I wonder likes crawfish? Our who? boy Rico. Rico Rodriguez. That's right. And that's a perfect segue, Matt, because <laughs> on this episode, we have Rico Rodriguez with us, who you may know him from Modern Family as Manny Delgado, but also huge Houston sports fan. And as you know, this podcast is about everything we love about Houston. So Rico, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey, we, we know that you love the city and, you know, first off, I know you grew up in the college station area, but I know that you 
been to Houston all that. Uh, can we talk about your favorite food in the region? It could be College Station or Bryan or in Houston. What like what's the place that you got to go to if you ever come visit? Okay, well, just in general, is because since I don't always get to you know be back in Texas often, since I'm always here in LA. Whenever I do go back home in Texas in general, it's always Whataburger because. I mean, it's a Texas state. Yeah. You, ha- you have to always go there when you're there. It doesn't matter if you've lived there all your life or you're just visiting for the first time. Uh, we like like, you know, like the Papacitos, Papados. We like all, you know, all them. Heck yeah. uh, and then it's funny. So uh, one of our stops in general is we love hibachi, like in general. So we love to stop at the Benihana in Houston. So we always try to like uh schedule our days within we can go to Benihana so either we go to Benihana before a game either Texans Astros Rockets or after so like we'll like for Astros we usually try to go to like a Sunday like afternoon game and then afterwards go eat dinner and then we'll go back home like that like that's a a whole trip what's your favorite hibachi trick do you love like the like the train the onion train or something the toss in the hat Okay, those, those both of those are so clutch. I think I would probably have to say, oof, probably the onion volcano because that's the most iconic. And then also like when the chef makes the uh, heart out of rice and then like makes the heart beat, that that's also cool. Ooh, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> yes. I love that. I love hibachi. It's oh so yeah, good. our family loves hibachi. Anyone who loves hibachi is great. Exactly. So I, I gotta ask you if, if you know, in LA, you got this big fight between In and Out Burger and Water Burger. What do you say? How do you get? How do you get the converts? I guess that's I don't want to get too political, but you know what? But you know what? Just to add fuel to the fire, that's not the only like Texas LA, you know, war going on. But that's like besides the fact. This is the most important one right now. That's right. See, that's okay, right. I had this. I have this conversation with a lot of people, uh, just because I, you know. I'm very, I'm very in the middle. So basically there's no Whataburgers out here. So I can't even get one if I wanted to compare. I couldn't even get an In-N-Out and a Whataburger and eat them here, right? So I would say when I'm here, In-N-Out's king, obviously. But when I'm back home, Whataburger's king. And I think that okay. is a respectable answer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot, what the conversation people aren't ready to have is that Shake Shack could be better. I'm just saying. I'm just saying then, I'm not I'm just then saying Waterburger. I'm just hey, saying in general. I gotta walk away. I, listen, <laughs> and bye, Rico. I have some See, things to say about me. this. Um, I mean so, it's important. Go ahead. No, I mean, so I actually went to art school in New York City. And so Shake Shack, the original Shake Shack on 23rd, I went to all the time. Uh, but my girlfriend is gluten-free, and Ooh. Shake Shack is one of the only fast food places that has Ooh. a gluten-free uh, bun. So basically, I'm trying to call out Whataburger and In and Out for not having gluten free buns. You know, okay, okay, but that's it's good. I mean, it's that's it's, what I'm saying. I, I, think, I think people just forget like that exists if they haven't had it. It's actually pretty superior. But yeah. again, I mean, you know, the battle is In and Out Whataburger, but I can't choose because both are really good in their areas. Like if you, like, you can't have an In and Out in Texas, it is it's not right. You have to have one here. You have to have the you have to have the the original Great. ones here. Have, Michael, should we have uh, have you ever been to the Apple Pan? So that's that's oh, in L.A. Mike, so I, that is I my interned, place. I interned uh, in special effects in the movies, actually, the movie Galaxy Quest um, back in 1999, <laughs> dating myself a little bit. 
But uh, Michael and I went out there. He drove me out there for the internship, and we went to this place called the Apple Pan, mm-hmm. which is a uh, tourist. It's kind of touristy, but it's it's a burger place. It's uh, you definitely got to check it out. It's incredible. So One of our I want to say because uh, I pa- I think I used to pass. I think was it in Century City? I that think, sounds right. Yes. It's, yes. It's like, okay. So then, yes. Okay. Yes. So yeah. I've never been there, but uh, when on the show, uh, I literally passed by there every day for eleven years. Amazing. So I know exactly there, what you're man. talking about. I just haven't eaten there yet. It's like it's like it's my it's one of my favorite places. I think the the burger's pretty good, but it's got. I think everyone who works there is over seventy. I think it only <laughs> fit. No, seriously, and I think it. You know, we went in 99 and then I, I worked in LA for a summer in the 2000s and the same guys were there and they're crotchety and mean, but like they serve you with like a kind heart. And they just like, the, the greatest thing they did is they'd be like, what do you want? Ketchup? And they get the bottle and, and no one knows how to get ketchup out of a bottle easily. And they just go, and it's just right there on your plate. Like, wow, <laughs> really? Dang, that's crazy. Okay. But also if you're talking about ketchup in general, back to the in and out thing, Whataburgers ketchup. Yes. Yes. A plus. Yes. I'm not a fan of the spicy. I'm not too much of a yeah. fan of the spicy, but the regular, I'll get handfuls of that stuff. I agree. Their ketchup's incredible. The spicy ketchup, I think, is just a it's a force that needs to be recognized for sure. But it is, you know, it, it's not uh it's it's definitely an acquired taste. Um you know H E B down here in, in Texas, oh, which is one H-E-B. of the greatest grocery stores. They now carry Whataburger sauces like oh wow spicy ketchup Genius. in the bottle. I mean, well, you know crazy. what? So, so a friend of mine who uh, a friend of, of my family's, uh, you know, they they live in Texas, and um, they actually sent us like a Texas care package when we were like all quarantined out here at the beginning, and they sent us uh, Whataburger ketchup, spicy mm-hmm. and regular, uh, Bucky's uh, candy, Beaver nuggets. Yep. And what? moon pies. And we were like, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. It just, oh man, mm-hmm. it was amazing. I got to ask you another turf oh, war yes. question about this LA and Houston rivalry. You, you, you got, you got, you've got guts and you got bones because you wear your Astros stuff around LA and 2017 stuff. Like, how's that? Do you get any problem with people? Are people fine or, or what? sometimes so like you know i obviously have the gear so like obviously have like astros masks right and so some days i'm like okay i choose violence today if anybody has a problem <laughs> if anybody has a problem i will gladly handle the situation as correa say you know the facts so That's right. so so it just goes to you know it was funny because like i mean it, it's definitely like it's definitely like you're asking for trouble sometimes and you'll get looks because sometimes like I went to this like one place and this guy had a Dodgers hat and I knew he knew. I just knew because I had Astros. So I knew already. I was like, I got to sit on this side. Yeah, sit on this side and then we'll be okay. It's, it's no problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I mean, I think it's like, you know, when people are on, on social media, on Twitter, people are keyboard warriors. And then when you're in person, except at Dodger Stadium, people are pretty respectful for the most part. <laughs> Oh it's yeah, it's mostly I, Dodger on Dodger crime too. They mostly well, and I also have like a bunch of friends uh, who are Dodger fans. Uh, you know, out, all out here. I mean, especially especially when we won, it was so awesome because like just some memories from it. Like I was able to go to six out of the seven World Series games, 
Because yes, I know. Amazing. amazing. And as much as a blessing that was, the only game I missed was game five, which was arguably the greatest. Oh, this was, I yes. know, I know. Yes. And, and but but I had a good reason. So I was working that whole time, and I was I was like I would film, go to the airport, fly to Houston, and I would stay the couple days. And I would like work with our producers. I'm like I, I if somehow you can just push me to another time. I, it'll, I, I will thank you so much for it because luckily, you know, the series was, you know, the home field Dodgers had home field. So it was good because then I could all, I could go. And at first we we're like, I don't know if we were going to go to any of the games at Dodger stadium in general. And then we're like, you know what, let's just do it. I, I mean, we're here in the world series might as well. And it, it was, it was honestly the coolest experience just because like I got to go to Dodger stadium, go to work, go to Dodger stadium, go to work, fly to Houston, stay the two days. And then, I missed game five. I was flying back. I worked that day, watched the game, worked, and then I was off like the rest of like the series. So I was able to go to the last two, no problem. I was able to yell because like we had a week off after that. So I, my voice was already pretty shot by that time, <laughs> like midway through through the series. But then I was like, once I got the um, the go ahead to go ahead and yell, I was I was good to go. I was good to go. Well, I mean, like, so that's tough to miss game five, but. You were there for game two, and you saw the Marwin home one. Oof, Marwin. So that, and now he's back. Yes. But also, how, how nuts was game seven? Like, you know, <sighs> that, you see him, you see ground ball right, right side could do it. What, what happens next? What are you feeling? So, okay. So, you know, there comes obviously a point in a game every, every sports fan goes through it where you know in your heart you're going to win. Right. You know, in your heart, if it gets to a certain point, we're going to finish it out. And I think I don't know what the final score was. I know we were up by at least I know like four plus. And yeah. so, you know, when it when it started dwindling down, dwindling down, luckily, I um, I was, you know, I'm pretty good friends with some of the Astros people in this, you know, the organization in general. I'm really good friends with them. So I was sitting in the in the friends and family section. And I mean, there's some really great things I'll have to say. I'm going to get to it in a second. And so what happened was I was actually with uh, Mrs. Springer. We were sitting near them. And so we were there and we were seeing everything happen. And it was about like, it was the ninth inning. It was it. Like It was it. The bottom of the ninth. And, you know, Dodger fans were leaving. They were congratulating us. Uh, and then, and then there was a point in time where we all kind of collectively went like, this is it. Uh, this is it. So we're going, we're leaving the stands. It hasn't even, the game hasn't finished yet because security was like, okay, all the friends and family, you know, there's going to be the, the, you know, the uh, presentation afterwards. So we need to start making our way through the Dodger crowd because it's going to get hard to, because we're on like one, we're, we're behind home plate, but on the second level. So we had great seats and we had to try to like, you know, make our way around. And so it was my sister, my mom and I, and then Mrs. Springer. And then, um, I think George's wife as well. And we were all just like, kind of like walking, getting ready to go. And then we just peeked our head in. We saw the, the ground ball to the right side and we, we all saw it and we all got to share that moment together. Oh. And it, was, it was like a collective, like, Oh my God. Like definitely like for me, I got teary eyed and Miss Springer started to cry. And it was like, it, it was so cool. It was the coolest thing. And then from there we booked it all the way down to go on the uh, on the dugout side so we can go and watch the presentation. And you were uh, on the and you were on the field. 
Uh, I was, uh, yes, uh, towards the end, towards the end. That's amazing. Towards the end we were able to get that's on amazing. and you know, take pictures of it. It was so cool. That is, I mean, that's, the, you know, those are once-in-a-lifetime moments. Uh, it won't um, be once-in-a-lifetime because then there's going to be another one this year. Yeah, this and, year, uh, sure. and then we'll be going to the parade <laughs> and stuff, obviously. That's, so, uh, absolutely. Um, so but, speaking of family, um, family stuff, uh, so... <laughs> Um, you're, uh, I, I just want to hear a little bit about your story uh, too. Like you, you grew up in Bryan and, uh, your dad had a, a tire shop, a tire service there, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, I would love to hear a little bit about that, but also like, um, just how you got into acting as well. Uh, your family, I guess your sister was an actress as well too. And so how did you kind of get into that? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. So so basically, uh, born and raised uh, in Bryan College Station. So, you know, always with family, Aggie pride, by the way. And so, and so it, right away, I was kind of born into this family business, which was uh, tires. And mm-hmm. so it's called Rodriguez Tire Shop. And, you know, it was it our- still there? Yes, it's still there. Amazing. And, and in fact, nice. uh, and in fact, we've actually, since then, I mean, we've upgraded and expanded. And it's, you know, what, what was great is that, you know, we had a foundation- and, you know, my, my dad and my mom, them together, they're like dynamite. And that was something that, that was their niche. They called it black gold. So since then, all I knew grow, growing up was tires. I, I was going to be a tire man, just like my dad, you know, just keep the family going, keep the family tradition going. My brothers are, are in the business. They run all the stores. My mom's, you know, the head CEO of everything. And so it was really awesome because, you know, we knew from a young age, work ethic and everything that all came into everything, you know, working for everything. And kind of, it was weird how, how, how we became actors was, so it was my sister's dream at first. Um, she wanted to become an actress and there's this lady in town and our older, older sister. Yes. Older sister. I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest. I have two older brothers and one older sister. And so uh, my sister, she's five years older than me. Mm -hmm. Um, she, she, like I said, she wanted to pursue acting. And there was this lady who, uh, who was locally in town her name was nikki peterson and so basically she runs this acting program where she gets kids you know students you know helps train them for like a year and then they go out to compete you know for a chance to you know live out their hollywood dreams basically so my sister went through that program got in got a scholarship to this acting class got an agent a manager and that you know that was going to be our new life you know we had this foundation here but now we we're going to start somewhere else and I had I didn't want anything to do with L.A. or acting business or anything that wasn't an interest of mine. But also I was like six. So I really didn't know what I wanted. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I wanted to be like a NASCAR astronaut chef. You know what I mean? There like, you go. I, I had dreams. Slash power engine, Dang. right? Yes, exactly. I had dreams, man. Uh, <laughs> and so and so, you know, we moved to L.A. and then she she started doing her thing. She started getting some roles and then. She got a, a, a guest spot star, uh, role on an episode of The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody on Disney Channel. And wow. for the longest time, that was one of her uh, lifelong dreams is to be on a Disney show in any capacity. And so once I saw her kind of like living out her dream, that's kind of what flipped the switch in me. And with me being so shy there, everyone was so shocked when I wanted to pursue acting. And then like, uh, okay, okay, well, let's uh, get them into classes and whatnot. And then kind of just like the rest is history it it was you know it, we're, me and my sister were still acting to this day we have our own production company together and so we're just oh, trying to you know slowly amazing. but surely taking over hollywood slowly of course oh that's but amazing. it's happening it's gonna oh, yeah. it's in motion take over so if i could ask um 
and this this could be for people who are aspiring actors as well how how did you land the you know modern family job i mean what kind of step if you could maybe break it down into a couple steps that like got you there you know i don't know any any advice for people but also i i would love to just hear about how how you how you got there Heck yeah, yeah. So I had been acting for about mm, two, three years before that. And it was kind of crazy just because, you know, in the business, you know, you get a lot more no's and yeses. I mean, there's a lot of content on TV, especially nowadays. But like, you know, back then it was, you know, a lot of things and a lot of people go, go out for the same role as you. And so it's like, you know, it's like tryouts for anything. You, you know, you have to try to be the best, but at the end it's, it's whether or not you know, they choose you that they see you as fit in that part. So for me, you know, I've been, I was lucky enough to say that before the show, I was able to be on all of like the major networks, Fox, CBS, NBC, just by on guest spots and and guest starring on roles. And, you know, basically you get an audition and you start reading the script. If it's a script, you know, lines, you start learning them. And then, you know, for back then, you know, you go into the room and you try to do the best job that you can. And for me, I was like nine years old. I mean, this is weird. I mean, you know, nine years old having to be a professional, basically. Yeah. And, right. you know, it came, it came to the point where, you know, I had already auditioned for like a couple of series regular roles. So like where I was going to be every day, you know, main one of the main cast members. And every time it would be something so small that of the reason I wouldn't get it. It would be like, oh, you know, you don't have blue eyes. Oh, or, you know, you're not five foot two or whatever that type of thing. So sometimes it's just those little things come into factors and that's what kept happening. So when Modern Family came around, it, it was a, just another one. Hey, you know, do the best job that you can and, and whatnot. And so after going through the process of like previous auditions, I definitely was like, ah, oh, you know, I really want this one and da, 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 da. And I went out for the first audition uh, and I, then I didn't hear anything for a month. So then I figured I didn't get it because usually you know, if you do a good enough job and they have interest in you, they'll, they'll kind of tell you right away, okay, we'll bring you in, bring you back and keep, keep going, keep the process moving. And so I didn't hear anything for a month and I'm like, okay, well, I, I didn't get it. And it's okay. You know, we're on to the next one and, you know, we'll work hard for the next one. That, that's always our motto. Even to today, you know, if I don't get any job, it's like, Hey, it's okay. Don't fret on it. You move on to the next one. So, so that's what we are doing. And then after a month passed, they called me back. They're like, hey, you know, we want to continue, you know, go call, do a callback. And then, you know, callback and then more and more auditions. I probably went for about six auditions for the role until until I actually booked it. And it was wow. crazy because, you know, like the steps kind of get, you know, you see the people that you're auditioning with get smaller and smaller and smaller. So, you know, you're getting closer. And also the people in the room get bigger of like who are watching you. So, like when it was my final audition, there had to be more than 20 people in the room watching me. Because it's all the executives from Fox and ABC. It's the creators. It's the writers. It's it's the director, the casting director. And there was one spotlight on little old me. And I and you know, as a nine-year-old, I mean, I'm pretty I'm pretty nervous, obviously, as any person I think would. You know, auditioning and stuff is never easy because it's like, you know, you have to in your mind, you're like, okay, I gotta do the best I can. I have one opportunity to basically showcase yourself you know your personality and you know your skills and you know if they have like different directions that they want to give you like you know hey maybe try this line like this well then you have to try to pick it up and and take directions so that you can go right at it again 
And it was just, you know, I went in nervous, but as soon as I walked through the door, all the nerves just went away. Just like, this is my element. This is what I'm, you know, need to do. This is my job. I go in, I felt like I rocked it. And then on the way home, they called me and said that I, I booked the role for the pilot. It wasn't even a show yet. It wasn't even like wow. a force yet. Yeah. It was only a pilot. So it's the first episode, you know, try to make it the best thing so that hopefully it gets picked up and goes to series. And then 11 years later, um, it is, you know, a crazy show. And, and like the craziest part, just to put it in perspective, just kind of like, you know, like, like in sports, like with the draft and like, you know, there's only a certain percentage that makes it right. Obviously, you know, for that position, there could be one person that can make it. So for my role alone, 1,200 other kids went out for my role. Oh, my wow. God. Wow. And, and, and then learning that, that out of 1,200 kids, I was the one that was picked. And it's like, it, it, it's the craziest, it's the craziest thing to even, you know, look back because you're like, wow, like, you know, then it's like, wow, well, what made me stand out or whatever? It's like, well, they just saw fit. And then from there was, you know, the show made history and everything. So I'm, I'm not complaining. Cause I mean, I got to be a part of such an amazing thing. And so I just felt so blessed. Yeah. Man, that's unbelievable. Well, you also kicked ass too. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but I, mean, I mean, how do you at nine, let's see at nine. I, I definitely knew how to ride my bike. Probably was learning <laughs> how to, you know, multiply by 12, but how do you take that something that pressurized? And just like on a spot, be like, I'm going to perform. I'm going to handle this. I may be rejected, but I'm going to be at the biggest potential I can. And it, and it worked for you, but it didn't work for others, but it worked for you. How did you pull that in you at nine years old? What, what really, really, I think it goes with anything. I think, you know, a strong support system helps just with anything in general, anything, any profession you want to do in life. But I had such an amazing, my, my parents are so amazing. Um, and they just kind of they gave me the confidence to be able to do what I do. And, and that's, look, you know, the pressure was the only pressure would be like the added ones you would put on yourself. They'd never, my representatives never put any pressure on me to, oh, you better book this or I'm going to drop you or you're not going to be an actor anymore. That type of thing, yeah. you know, because look, like I said, in this, in this industry, you're going to hear a lot more no's and yeses. So, you know, when the yeses come, you celebrate them, you celebrate them so huge because they may not come for another couple of years or whatnot. And so that, that is basically the same thing. They told me, look, go rock it. Just do you do what you do best. And that's, you know, go do it. And, and that's that, you know, and, you know, training, obviously acting classes help you in the moment of like being able to adjust on the fly of like, if they have like, like my first audition, I went in for the character a completely different way. I, I, I practiced it a whole new way. And then I went in, did it. They're like, that's good. But we actually wanted it like this. And it was like the complete opposite. We're like, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's weird. What was that, Manny? What was that one? It was I, like, I played him more like a cool, cocky guy. Like, oh yeah, okay. my ladies man, yo, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> um, and they're like, no, 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 that's good. But, you know, he's like a, an Antonio Banderas inside of a 10-year-old's body. I'm like, gotcha. That's I go, the best they want me to be like Puss in Boots. I love that. <laughs> yeah, Puss in Boots. They want me to be like Puss in Boots because I'm nine. Because I don't, I don't know any other things that he had done. So I'm like, ah, Puss in Boots. I know, I know how to be Puss in Boots. Uh, and then, yeah. And then, then the next callback came, I took direction and they're like, great job. Thank you, by the way, for, you know, using the notes and using them good. Cause it, it showed. And then from there, like I said, it's history. That's amazing. Wow. And, and I wanted to circle mm -hmm. back real quick. Cause you said there's, you'll hear a lot of no's and a lot of yeses in those no moments. 
how do you ha- you know how do you handle that with grace especially just you you are excited about a role or something and then you hear no how do you move forward to the next thing because i bet you know there were no's along the way but then you you got i mean it was there. 11 years ago so it might be you know, oh yeah i mean different. and look i mean i still get no's to this day you know yeah. you know as an actor you go you it's funny i i guess i can say i've played a lot of characters in my life not just the ones you've seen me play but just like in general like when i get an audition I have to, in the five page, five or six, seven pages that they give you, you have to try to embody that guy. You know, you got to try to, you know, see how he acts, try to create things like ticks or how he should sound. And it's kind of like, you know, you're playing the character already. And so that's why it, sometimes it gets tough because, you know, you kind of put all your work into it just for, you know, them to say, no, you know, we, we went another direction. That's definitely tough, especially when you really want it. Like, obviously, I want every role I'll go out for just because, you know, I'm an actor. That's what I do. But sometimes there's those really special ones where you're like, man, you know, this would be really, really cool if I got. And then, you know, usually it's you don't hear anything back or and then you see the movie come out in theaters. and You're like, ah, okay, I went out for that role. (laughs) Um, But sometimes, you know, they'll give you the courtesy of like telling you, hey, you know, you did great we moved in a different direction. We wanted the guy to be six foot four. I'm like, ah, okay. I'm not six foot four. I probably won't ever be six foot four, but I understand, you know? So, you know, in in those no moments, it's like, ah, man, it's okay. But you know, I'm still going at it. I'm still going to go at it as if, you know, the next audition, as if that'll be the one. So growing up, like on a show or like on a TV set, I mean, what's that like? I just, you know, I mean, you see, you see like backstage type uh, movies and, and things like that, but you don't fully know. I mean, I was on a Hollywood movie set, so I know about the trailer yeah, you were. and craft uh, services and those sort of things. But like, as far as like the, um, like, uh, you know, like going to school and all that, like, what is that like? Well, I mean, you said the key word craft services. That's basically it. It's where all the food is at. <laughs> He's got to go where the food's at. No. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy. You know, child actors, they, uh, their job is tough. You know, I really give it, I mean, I, cause I was a child actor. So, you know, the, the things that they have to do is definitely a little bit more difficult than what adults have to. I mean, on set, you have to do three hours of school. That's already automatic. You got to do three hours of school on set. That's okay. law required. Everything you have to have an above C plus grade average to, to continue to act. So you have to be smart, um, you know, and do your school. And basically it's like, you know, you're, you're learning these lines and then you go and learn algebra and you're like, oh, but I can't learn both. We're like, well, you have to, cause I have to get this test done at this certain time. And then I also have to learn this paragraph uh, that's coming up. And so I'm like, uh, but it, it's, you know, with, with me, you know, especially just as a child actor, you know, you kind of get used to those things, you know, you yeah. kind of create the routine where if I know the day that I'm about to shoot is, is going to be, you know, kind of a tough one, or I have a lot of lines, or I'm going to be on set for a while. Well, then I know, okay, bring different types of schoolwork. So like on days where it's not busy, I'll bring math, I'll bring the hard stuff, bring math. So oh. I can really, you know, be with my studio teacher who, I mean, was with me 11 years. So she got to see me graduate and I got to That's have amazing. her help me by my side the whole time. So she basically graduated with me um, and essentially. And, you know, you kind of, schedule it you kind of okay today is not a crazy day do math and all that and then okay then I gotta go do a table read I have another script on my mind and then I gotta go film and do this and and whatnot so it's definitely it's definitely a tough life being a child actor because you know a lot's 
And especially because then you have a time limit because as a minor, you can only stay like until you get like maybe 16, it goes up, but like you only stay nine and a half hours on set. Like that's like, that's how much they can work you now. Will you sometimes maybe, but like out of those three, out of those nine hours, nine and a half, you got three hours of school, you got a half hour lunch and then the rest could be shooting rehearsals and all that. So you kind of have to get your stuff done because if not, they're going to lose you. And then they lose money and they're like, oh man, we got to. Wow. So they're kind of working the schedule around you a little bit. I've never even thought of that. Like just the, the fact that for you to have to have the foresight to be like, okay, I know this is going to be like an emotionally charged scene that I have to put a lot of uh, energy into, I'm not going to do math on this. Yeah, thing. because I, I just, I would not, be, I would spontaneously combust. Like it, it would, yeah. it would work, it would work. That's wild. Algebra. Like during finals, like I'm doing finals in the schoolroom and I'm like, okay, but I also got to study this scene because it's coming up next. And I, oh, but it, you know, it's fun though. It, that's a challenge. But like now, I mean, I don't have to worry about that anymore. That's now right. I just get that's to right. sit on set for 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to wait for four hours to film a 45 minute scene and then go home. Woo. <laughs> so um, you, you mentioned before about, you know, your family and, and growing up in, in, you know, being a part of the business and learning how to work hard. How much did that translate into being on set and, you know, being younger and going through life, you're saying like, these are big moments and these are a lot of emotions Mm-hmm. You know, did those things pave the way that you learned with your family to keep you going oh. and work? Because you're working full time. Yeah. Like oh, what yeah. support did you have from your family getting there? Oh, man. Like I said, huge support. I mean, they're the best they're the best ever. I mean, without my family, I don't know where I'd be. But it's like, you know, you know, my dad, I mean, he was a, such a great man. And so for me, um, you know, and in general and with my sister as well, you know, we'd have, you know, so like for my sister, since she's an actress, we'd never never competed, never fought because we have nothing, you know, she's, she's a girl, I'm a boy. We're going to be going out for completely different roles. So there's always that like, Hey, I want you to succeed. I want me to succeed vice versa. And so, so I just knew already what hard work meant. It doesn't matter in what field you just know. Okay. Hey, you know, if you're supposed to be, be there at a certain time, be there at a certain time, be there early, be ready to go, be attentive, be, you know, knowing what's happening at all times. And so, you know, um, yeah, my family has such a strong work ethic and, and just, yeah. you know, the things I've learned growing up. And even now I still learn every day of like how to better myself every day and like be productive. Man, Absolutely. what a legacy your your father uh, left. I mean, that's amazing. That's Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. And then, I mean, and then like my mom, I mean, she was a stay at home mom. Like when we moved from Texas to here, I mean, she would have to help, you know, balance the checkbook and all that here for for over there where then she's all having to take me and my sister to auditions because oh we're minors and we don't know how to drive. So was your dad still in Brian uh, doing that? And then your mom came out here with y'all. Yes. Auditions yeah. And yeah. So he, wow. he held down wow. the fort over what there while the, my mom held down the fort over here. And like, you know, it was, it was such a great duo ship. Oh. And so after he passed, you know, things got a little difficult just because, you know, we had to start, um, you know, being more, you know, her jobs got elevated. So now she had to be, you know, her mind's over there. Her body's here. It's like, okay. You yeah. know, we have to go here and there, but I mean, she's great. She's like wonder woman. She's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Great yeah. Support system. Uh, as far as like support systems within um, the, the cast, like 
who are some cast members that you like got really close to? I mean, uh, if you have any like fun stories about some of the, some of the situations, I mean, 11 years, there's plenty to pick from, but. Oh yeah. I I mean, after 11 years, if you're not a family, uh, no, um, honestly, I mean, like, it's kind of cliche because it's like a family show, a modern family. But I mean, we really are like a family. It's like, you know, I spent 11 years, you know, weeks on end with these people every day. So it was so fun to be able to have that where my second family. But like one person, like in particular, it was uh, Ed O'Neill, who plays my stepfather. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that guy, hands down, one of my favorite people in the world in general. I mean, he he is just so cool. I mean, what a guy and a true veteran. I mean. He had done a show that ran 11 years with Married with Children. Then he came onto this show, ran another 11 years. Amazing. The guy guy knows what to do. If you're getting on a show with him, it's probably going 11 years. So that's (laughs) probably good advice for any actors. Get on a show with Ed O'Neill. It'll go 11 years. Um, But it's great. I mean, yeah. And especially like as I started getting more and more into sports, like then, you know, the, the conversations, it wasn't just like, oh, you know, Kid Rico. It's like Kid Rico who now knows about football and all this other thing. So then, then, you know, there's a little rivalries like, like with uh, Eric Stone street who played cam. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a big Kansas city guy. Right. Right. And yeah. then he also, you know, also roots for the Dodgers. So it was like, you know, it's always so much fun just to have that dynamic in general, because, you know, you know, that's how like re- relationships get stronger. It's like, you know, a little jawing and then, but you know, it's all in good love. That's so great. It's funny. Um, you know, we, we had a rule at our house. We weren't allowed to watch married with children. As when we were, were younger, <laughs> yeah, back I, can the 80s. Yeah. I can see why. I still did. I want like. Oh, we stuck. Yeah, we. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. We were. Al Bundy to. is a legend, and Christina Applegate was a huge crush back in the day. Well, and it's funny because when I first got the show, you know, my my parents are like, "Hey, you know, we found out who's gonna play your mom and dad," and like, "Are you ready?" I'm like, "Okay, who?" They're like, who is it? They're like, Ed O'Neill. And I'm like. Who? <laughs> and they're like, I don't know, you know, from, you know, okay. Love and marriage. They started singing the Married with Children theme song. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I had no idea. So then once I figured it out, you know, I had to watch a couple episodes. I'm like, oh, so this is the guy who's going to play my dad. Okay. And then you meet him in real life and he's a completely different character. And I'm like, oh man, like, what a good guy so it's funny when you know when i tell him like oh i didn't know who you were at all he's like oh you don't need to you didn't need to now you need to know me i'm like all right that's good good enough i think that technically the show ended before you were born so that's part i think of it. so but, yeah <laughs> but i think so, it's still on rerun somewhere i don't know at, at 10 my yeah. fault oh well, it was such a great show it was such an iconic character and so different than who he was i loved yeah. his character oh, man, i love his great guy on modern family just such a gentle <laughs> giant i mean it's awesome how do y'all you know you know, just from our perspective of just fans watching a show like that how are you guys able to emulate uh, something that feels so real because the families felt so real especially what you had with your family it felt so honest and real i think i think honestly it, it just goes with just that we actually loved each other and yeah. we loved each other from the minute we met each other like we like, you know, that's kind of like always the risk with like any show, like, you know, you cast these people separately and then you kind of, you know, do your first table read and you see how they mix. And we did the first table read and it was like dynamite, like how we it, it was weird. It's like we had already been together for years. So it really wasn't that much of a like an adjustment period. 
we kind of just already loved each other and that we knew we were in for a journey, you know, whatever journey it was, because we, you know, it also starts with like the crew, the people behind the scenes, everybody who did their job, did it with love and they wanted to make the show the best they can do it. So that, so that right there is a recipe for success in general. And, and then that's kind of how it was. We, we all loved each other, loved what we did and we wanted to make it great. And, and we all had that same mindset and that's what just made the chemistry that much better. And I feel like in general, like it just got better over the years because I, like if I was reading the script by myself at home, well, then I would know how Claire would say her line because I've been with her for eight years. So I know totally. how to adjust, like how to practice it because I know how she's going to say it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, just one last question about Modern Family. Is there just one moment that's just so hilarious to you that sticks out? Could have been filming or after behind the scenes that's just like this is something that will be juicy in my brain. Stuff. yeah oh i saw stuff guys that's <laughs> excuse me no um probably one of the, like an iconic moment would be like our first halloween episode that was a, a favorite i mean i know it's a fan favorite in general but filming it was so amazing and hilarious because there was one scene where you know they're all in, inside the house getting ready for the haunted house and then Sophia comes in talking in an American accent because she got, because Jay early in the episode had like made a comment about like, you can't understand her. So then she took it as, oh, you don't like my culture. You don't like my language. So then she starts talking like an American and I like NASCAR and stuff like that. And then she went into like the haunted house and she's like, welcome to your nightmare. Ho, ho, ho. And then like went down. And I kid you not, that scene was the only scene we filmed that day. And it took way longer than it was supposed to because we every single time she did that, we just all bust out laughing. It got <laughs> to the point where we finally finished it because it wasn't funny anymore. We had laughed so much that we're like, okay, we are tired of laughing. It's not funny anymore. Wow, it, was, awesome. it was the cool, it was the coolest that's thing. And then, like, oh, so episode, and then looking back on the episode, we watch it and we're like, oh man, it's it's such a classic. Oh, I love wow, that. So I love good. that. Um I wanted to ask you just, so you've got 11 years of head start on being in the industry. And you just mentioned that you and your sister have a production company. So, you know, now you're at 23, you've got life ahead of you. What is your goals with your production company? What are you guys working on? What is your hopes to be the next Leonardo DiCaprio or better? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. <laughs> uh, honestly, it's like, you know, in general, we just want to create content. We want to, you know, write, produce, direct, star in our own stuff movies tv shows that's kind of like the plan i mean you see you know how much like on netflix and how many you know now streaming services that you have and it's like that's something that we want to do it's always been like it's always been like a um a dream of ours to try to do it and now that we have the opportunity we're like okay you know i'm the writer in the family so I, i'm gonna write the stuff my sister's gonna direct it and we're both actors and we'll both star on it and my family will be producers and they can be extras and, da -da 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 and all this and that and so it's really cool to be able to have someone like my sister, because again, we work so, so good together that it's, we're already thinking the same thought. And, and so with that being our goal, it's like, you know, now, especially like during the pandemic, it, you know, you sit at home all day and say, like, okay, well, after you're done watching 20 movies and finishing all that's on Netflix, what now? You know, I want to make something. Yeah. And so it's it's really yeah. fun to, you know, be able to write. I love creating and just in general, I love creating and, you know, hopefully something comes out of it. So that's so where you, you create the NASCAR astronaut chef. Character. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yep. When a person gets inspired, it's like the greatest feeling 
Cause you're like, oh, bam, I have the perfect idea. And I have a computer, a blank canvas. Let's go at it. Like I have like, you know, my sister always said like, she doesn't have the patience for that. Like she doesn't have the patience to build a Lego set because she wants it to be done already. <laughs> Me, I enjoy that. I like, you know, look at the page, get the piece, put it together and da, 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 da. So it's like, you know, to be able to kind of build it. I like that. You know, I don't mind it taking six months to write a, a movie because it's, it's a process of creating something. She was like, well, just let me know when it's done. Then I could take over and, and direct it. I'm like, that's perfect. That's perfect with me. And so and, do you have, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, that's such a, a great explanation for, for a writer is the, the person who like loves the instruction of Legos, like, you know, figuring out how it all works out. And especially what you mentioned that when you're reading your script, you're thinking of uh, Ed and Sophia and so like you already have that in mind, you know, I mean, just to bring that to the table when you're writing is, is such a great uh, word of advice. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I love it. That's awesome. And, and do you have any projects that you're currently working on or something that that you're very excited about that you can share or is it under wraps? Uh, definitely there's some stuff where like, I can't share yet just because, you know, we don't know the status of things. So, but I mean, for the, for the most part, you know, my sister, I mean, she's been really doing great. She has, she just announced today. So whenever this airs, I guess today, tonight, um, uh, uh, she had announced a new show that's coming out on Netflix, uh, voiceover. So an animated show, uh, that's airing sometime in early October. Um, oh. and so, and then she's also on another, uh, voiceover show called uh, Jurassic world camp Cretaceous on Netflix. Yes. So that's yes. cool. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it's a lot of, you know, writing and kind of this, you know, un- under the wraps type of thing. And then hopefully if something comes out of it, you'll definitely hear from me. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Yes. That's awesome. Um, we'll be sure and plug it and everything. And you thank know, you. For and sure. I'll retweet it. <laughs> yeah. That's the message. <laughs> that's the message. All right. Last question. Uh, it's a very important one. All right. Astro is going to the World Series. Well, I think it's, I, I think this is probably going to be the easiest question of the night. Okay. And that's a uh, heck yes. Heck yeah. Come on now. <laughs> no, oh, hey, well, real quick. So, so what I want to say real quick. So going back to 17 World Series, okay. One of the coolest things that I had ever experienced in my life was I believe it was game two. Um, I'll use that as, as an example. Game two, there was, you know, obviously certain points where we were losing and then we made the comeback and whatnot. But there are certain points during that series. that I don't know if it really translated well on TV, but when but like there would be Astros fans and clumps, basically. So like they wouldn't be spread out. It would all they'd all be together, which they probably planned it that way, which is for the better. You know, you don't want to ever be by yourself in an opposing, you know, <laughs> person's thing. So, you know, there was like the family of friends section. Then it was people up here and the people over there. It's like clumps of orange and a sea of blue, right? And there were certain points where the fans of the Astros were louder than Dodger Stadium. Yeah. And it was, yes. the, it was the coolest thing because like, you know, we had figured out like, like okay. So, you know, you know, it's like, let's go Astros. Da, 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 right. Okay. So the Astros fans were like, okay, well, we want to root for the Astros with that chant as well. So basically what we would do is they would go, let's go Dodgers. And as they were clapping, we would yell, let's go Astros, right? And it kind of threw everybody for a loop. They're like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> hold on, hold on. And like when they were talking, we would be clapping over them. So like 
it was kind of like this like little like battle between fans and general, you know, of with things now in the future. But at that point, it was like a battle in between in the stadium as it was going. Like there was a point where like Correa like hit a home run or one, yeah, I think it was, I think it was the one in over in uh, extra innings where he hit the go ahead run. And then all of a sudden, literally the Astros fans erupted where they, they like Dodger fans, they couldn't say anything enough because we were just so loud. And it, and it was like, again, small, small amount compared to everybody, but in, in bunches, we were all chanting the same things. And it was, it was so cool. Like they, like the players would like point up at us and like, we're like, Let's yes. go. like it was yeah. the coolest experience ever because like there were certain points in that series where literally the Astros took over. I mean, it that's was so cool. Like, something about being an Astros fan is just mm. that, you know, people across the, the world, because I've gotten to meet so many people across the world who are huge Astros fans. And I, and I don't know, I can't speak for other teams, but, and, and I know the past of what's gone on, but it seems mm. like, People have joined together. I've seen this happen on Twitter. People just like, if anyone says anything bad about the team, people just attack. Yeah. So I can only imagine how nuts the playoffs are going to be, especially if it's in LA. That would be nuts. That'd be oh, yeah. And it was funny. Like back then, we had, we had, I have predicted, like their family were like, okay, you know, in 17, like, okay, what's your prediction? Like, it's going to be Astros versus the Dodgers in the World Series. I just know it because, like, I just knew there was two really great teams and, you know, they duked it out. And it's like, you know, we've been so close. Like there was one where um, my sister was asking me, watching this video of like this guy, like naming like the last like 10 World Series champions, right? I'm like, okay, well, 17 Astros and moving on, moving on. I'm like, okay, there's one more. She goes, there's one more. I'm like, one more? Who? I'm like, who else won? They're like, uh, the Nationals in 19. I go, oh, yeah, I forget that year. <laughs> I, go, I go, yeah, I don't even remember that year. We don't talk about that. <laughs> I don't talk about that year. What happened? I don't, I don't remember. What? There, was, I, there wasn't a season in 2019. No. Didn't mm-mm, mm-mm. And, and so it's like, it funny because, like, my best friend, he, you know, one of my best friends, he is a Nationals fan. So it was so funny because, like, you know, he comes in, like, after they won, like, and all the merch dropped. He came to sleep over. And he came in in a, in a World Series hoodie. I'm like, why would you wear that? And he's like, oh, I, I, I'm sorry, bro. I apologize. I'm like, yeah, take that off. I appreciate it. Hey, that. where'd my hoodie go? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, put over the balcony, bro. <laughs> I think going through like ups and downs right now and like going through like kind of a losing streak here and there is great. You know, it, it sucks to lose, but especially losing up until the playoffs is the most important because you never want to peak no. too early. No, you don't. Astros have a way to like they just yep. like they like they can feel they they can walk into a playoff and just make it easy. I don't. Oh, I don't, I don't well, and, and it's funny because like again, like you know, having friends who are fans of other teams, like another really good friend of ours, he's a he's a Yankees fan. So it's like you know, whenever we play mm-hmm. each other, whenever we play each other, it's like you know, okay, well, I kind of you know, you don't want to say anything because I'm not trying to be mean, right? I'm not trying to do anything. So it's like, look, you know, for this week, we just, we won't text each other and that'd be okay. We, we both understand. <laughs> so it was you like, got there was like a post on like sports center and they had said like, you know, name a, a player who always kills your team. Right. And so I was sending it to my friends. Right. And then I was like, oh, for me, you know, one that comes off the top of the head would be like T.Y. Hilton against the Texans. Always goes yes. off against them yes. without a now, doubt. A, now Abraham Toro against the Astros. For a, yeah, that guy. <laughs> um, I love him. And so and so it's like, um, 
then he replied back. He, he said one person, and then he goes, and then Jose Altuve against the Yankees. And I go, oh, it's like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. He, rent, he, he is rent-free in, in New York. Oh, yeah. So I'm nice. like, yeah, okay, yeah. And then I see that, I'm like, yeah, I mean, he is, though, so. And rent's expensive in New York. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, they're rent-free. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, so well Rico, as we say in our in our messages, we're going to just go, Houston Astros, that's the message. Am I yep. right? Yep, Houston that's Astros, the that's the message. That's, that's the message. message. That's the message. Rico, Rico Rodriguez, that's the message. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Hey, thank you so much for coming on here. We appreciate you. Thanks for coming. Thank you this so much for so having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, this was great. That was awesome. Um, dude, thank you. This is this is probably the best episode we've ever recorded. I'm not joking. This, we have so much fun with you. Um, I, I just think thanks for your honesty and, and just for laughing with us and, and just telling us of about course, your life. Of course. No, thank you guys for having me. It was fun. I know, yeah. I know it was like a long time coming. It was definitely a long time coming for sure. Oh, it's Perfect not like you got like man. stuff going on or something. Yeah, it, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I appreciate you for making it happen. Um, <laughs> hey, thank y'all so much. I appreciate it. Y'all have a great yes, night. I know it's a bit over there for y'all. And now this is the part of the podcast where we talk about something near and dear to Houston that is laid to rest. And so today we, for our rest in peace, I want to say rest in peace to this summit. Mm. Or compact center, as some will say, mm. which now is held by Liquid who says, Church. Who's, who says compact center, though? Really, I, it's the I, summit. I'll be honest; I completely forgot that it was the compact <laughs> center. Like completely, I was like the was summit not. to Lakewood Church. That's it. <laughs> there was That's no it. in between. There's no compact center. Yeah. Gosh, Bobby, that, what, are, what are some of your favorite moments? I mean, for me, it was definitely Ringling Brothers. I, I, like you saw the elephants up there. Say and the whole name course, if you're going to say it. Ringling Brothers and Barnum, Brothers and, Barnum Bailey and Bailey Circus, <laughs> of course. Got to uh, talk about the Rockets the... And, and the championships and then, you know, the arrows. The arrows. Hey, RIP the circus, too. I don't think they're allowed to do that with all the animals and stuff. That's anyway. true. RIP <laughs> the circus. Yeah. RIP the arrows, man. Houston needs a hockey team. What about, are, so what are your other things? the Globetrotters? There the we Globetrotters. go. Globetrotters. That was, that was my jam at the circus. I mean, at the... <laughs> at the summit and then finally of course um you know our favorite seeing uh wwf wwf seeing the undertaker absolutely w you know wwf at the summit was highlight who actually the undertaker undertaker lives in austin now which is pretty funny um, and he's heard. from Houston. Yeah, he Undertaker, does. Undertaker is from Houston. We'll and, um, podcast. If you hear this, get on the podcast, man. There you go. And also, Undertaker. just as a little segue, I also heard that he is a believer. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, and now the summit is owned by Lakewood Church. Full which circle. Is you might know uh, of it from a certain Joel Olstein. Well, um, you know what. SmackDown was there September 13, 2001. This was the SmackDown that just happened. But we love you, Summit. You always will be there in our hearts, and we'll miss you. That's Amen. right. And the Rockets, the world champion Rockets, for, you know, Absolutely. back in the 90s. And the world too. champion Comets. Mm. And the world champion Comets. Can't forget that, too. Mm. Well, RIP the Summit. 
not RIP to our listeners. Thank you so much for listening to the fifth episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe, like, share, tell your grandmas about us. Watch <laughs> the Astros. Have a crawfish broil at her house. Go suck some heads. Suck some heads, guys. <laughs> Thanks, everyone.